0: into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in to another interview episode. If you enjoy this conversation, the best way that you can support is by sharing it on social media and with the people that you love. Maybe that's a classmate, colleague, team member, a family member, a friend, or someone in your community. It would mean the world to me for others to have access to this powerful content and more specifically, anyone dealing with low self-esteem or confidence because of their relationship with social media. So thank you in advance. And also make sure to stay till the end as I'm going to offer some applicable takeaways and a fun challenge this week to upgrade your mindset and your health. Today, we're diving into social media and the age of digital technology. If you're here listening to this podcast, it means you engage in social media. Whether you discovered this episode through Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, we can all admit that social media has become a vital part of our world, allowing us endless opportunities And the ability to engage with friends, family, business partners, fans, and followers. Social media has been a blessing for so many of us, including myself, as it helps us reach larger audiences. But over the last several years, I have also become aware of the dark side. The dark side that social media can have on our minds. And although most of us are seeing the immediate benefits... Most of us are not stopping to take time to consider the long-term consequences of what steps need to be taken for change. We are neglecting to see how our daily digital experience is impacting our health, our relationships, our quests to create a fulfilling, purposeful life. And from the research, social media is impacting us so much more than we think or believe. So now, without freaking you out, then I'm gonna ask you to toss your phone and never look back it is important to just become educated on why this matters. And so today, I'm deep diving with my dear friend, Brian Solis. Brian Solis is a global innovation evangelist at Salesforce and also a world renowned digital anthropologist and futurist. Brian has spent the last 30 years studying the influencing effects of emerging technologies on business and society. He has a dedicated online audience of over 700,000 people and has worked with over 1,000 startups and leading brands as well as celebrities such as Oprah, Shack, and Ashton Kutcher. Additionally, he is an author of eight best-selling books and a renowned keynote speaker. And although Brian has worked diligently in using digital technology as an overall advantage for growing businesses, he also has been vocal about its negative side effects as well. Because most of us, have fallen victim to the self-comparison and the validation that we seek from our likes, our comments, and our follows. And at times throughout our lives, this overexposed world has deflected us from living our happiest lives, unless we know how to manage our inner world. And if you're here and listen often, you know that I preach that true happiness starts with you, and it is possible as we become conscious of how we use social media and why it is important to have this conversation. It's important that we're all having this conversation. And so if you're ready to uncover ways of becoming consciously aware of these habits and aware of why they matter, this conversation we're about to have today is truly for you. And I trust that you're going to use it to not only thrive, but also to become consciously aware of what needs to shift and change. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have this conversation specifically because we've had a similar conversation before at one of our Rising Glen Collectives, which is an entrepreneur community that my husband and I host. And Everyone was so blown away by your talk that we literally kept extending the time of it to just keep going and going for most of the afternoon because people were so intrigued and inspired and just asking so many questions about the digital world and digital addiction and how they can really shift their mindset around what's currently happening online. And so thank you for being here and offering to have a similar conversation again.
1: Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? It's my pleasure. I still buzz over that day. It was a perfect day. It was a perfect group of people, many of whom I'm still in contact with and have had ongoing conversations with about life scale. And so it was one of the best days that I can remember.
0: Thank you. I'm so grateful. So right now with what's happening currently in our world, I truly believe, and I'm seeing this more and more with my clients, that it is more important than ever, probably in the history of humanity, to become really conscious of this age of digital addiction specifically what i'm seeing a lot with my clients is the numbing right and the the use of it for finding out information about what's happening but then also avoiding the emotions and the fears and what's showing up for them and for their families and for their communities and so i'm curious for you how your work has really shifted during this time. And if you can take us back to kind of that transition between what you were doing before and what you're doing now, and kind of how you got into this work to begin with, because it is such an important conversation that we're having. And I'm thankful for you to be doing this work to support us and really seeing the, the impact that this is making.
1: Thank you for the opportunity and for the platform. One thing that I really appreciate is, being an author as a digital anthropologist and then also being someone who studies the impact of technology on things like business and markets, I wish that more people would want to hear about their relationship with technology and their personal and professional lives. It's it's interesting that it's it's not it's not interesting. I, let me just put it, it's unsurprising. That it's a difficult conversation to have as an author who spent two years writing a book about recentering your life as a result of un- first undoing what technology has done to us over the years and then rebuilding to have a more productive and creative relationship with technology moving forward. It was a surprise for me to learn that a lot of folks didn't see that there was a problem. And still don't. And so the irony of writing this book was that you couldn't talk about a book that people will want to read proactively about digital distractions if no one believes that they're digitally distracted. And that was a big eye-opener for me. And, I, and it was a big learning moment for me because it's my eighth book. I, you think I would have figured out how to write and market a book by now. And I was just so passionate and so consumed with the discovery of what technology had done to our brains and our bodies, to our souls, to our creative spirit, and to our relationships. And when I figured out how to rebuild, I went right to market and Pretty much hit a big wall. But when you have a moment like at at the Rising Glen Collective to share that story uh, in a very human way and people are there to listen and learn, so their guard is already down and people are open to seeing and hearing that new things, that's when it really connects because then you can, then you're reflective, you're introspective. So I learned a lot that day and you know, of course, the the entire world has changed since then. But paying attention now, all over again, as people are thrust into a more digitally immersive world for work, and then also for you know they can't do much else to occupy their attention. It's only going to make make the matters worse.
0: Yeah, in relationship to making the matters worse, what are you offering, and what are some of the solutions to this? dark side of the digital world, because I think when we don't know the solution or or we think the solution is going to be so dramatic, like give up your phone, give up your computer, which just seems very much like such a no for so many people. It's like, they don't even want to hear that there's a problem because then they're like, well, you're going to make me give up my phone, or you're going to make me give up my internet, or you're going to make me give up my Netflix or the streaming or all the things that I do on my computer. But I think if people really understood first the research and the science behind how damaging it is. And then second, the the practical sort of implemental solutions to it that might not be as dramatic as going completely on a month detox, <laughs> if that makes
1: sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, well, kind of take a couple steps back. I'll share the story of the book. And it wasn't a, a book that it was on my horizon. I <laughs> had written seven books about the future of business, the future of tech, the future of customer behavior, before this. And as I was trying to write my eighth book, I couldn't get into the flow state. I couldn't tap that creativity. I was constantly multitasking. And after so many iterations of the original proposal and working, I had to hire a developmental editor to help me try to polish it. and. I just gave up. Something didn't feel right. If I had to put that much work into trying to get just the proposal out the door, I was, I was absolutely sure that the book itself was going to be a mess. So I hit pause and I just started looking around at everything in my life and realized that there were just complete patterns building up over the years. Multiple tabs open on browsers, constantly looking at my device, scrolling, reaching for my device if I didn't even need to, scrolling mindlessly just because I could, adopting every single new app, being on, on the edge to see who's responded to anything that I posted, or how many people am, am, am I connected to in, in important areas, or who else do I need to be connected to, or, oh my gosh, look at every, what everybody else is doing, and, and why, why can't I do these things? And then just constantly living in this cycle and trying to get to the bottom of all of those things. And of course, at the same time, we were running up into the... 2016 election and fake news and misinformation, and how easy it was to spread. So I spent a good year really kind of understanding how I got here as a human being, as a person, why also my relationships, where I thought that they were at this level, were really not at that level at all, because I wasn't giving myself fully to them. And that was in work, and that was in my marriage, and that was in my friendships. So after a good amount of research as uh, getting to use my I'm a digital anthropologist and a digital analyst by trade and also having access to a lot of people in Silicon Valley. I was able to get a lot of secrets out of them about what it's called persuasive design. And it's a series of techniques that they use to grab your attention and to essentially manipulate your behavior. So they need more of your attention because that's how they monetize those platforms. And then it's not just enough for you to scroll and consume and like content, for example, They need you to create and share and push and drive and keep that ecosystem alive. And so every time there's a new feature, or every time there's a new app like TikTok, for example, it's just another way that they figured out how to trigger your engagement and your attention. So anyway, long story short, what they didn't study along the way were the side effects of this persuasive design, and we can get into that in a bit. But essentially, it rewires your brain. And I don't see that say that as a cliche. I mean, it literally rewires your brain. It's called neuroplasticity. And this is one of the reasons why we're constantly distracted, we're multitasking, we're feeding off of all of the next things. It also tricks your, your biology. It, it produces six different chemicals that, you know, serotonin, dopamine, in different facets that your body becomes dependent on it. So you're essentially microdosing every time and, and you need those hits. And it's a destructive pattern that doesn't get any better. And I think TikTok, right before COVID hit, was actually starting to, hit this density of distraction that was so bad because it is so addictive. I mean, it's fun. I get it. It's it, But it's also intentionally addictive. And so I'll just kind of pause in a second. But when I realized that these were all the things that had happened to me and then started doing research to understand, well, what are some of these effects? For example, I did research around Instagram and Snapchat's effect on a woman's definition of beauty, how it affects her self-esteem, how it affects her view of herself and in light of her relationships and in her standing in the world. And it was just unbelievably mind-blowing and depressing and just heartbreaking to hear a lot of these things. And so I made it my mission to fix not just my life, but to find a way forward for people to take control of tech and then live the life, not saying you have to get rid of your phones and stop using your favorite apps, but at least get people to the place where once we know what's happening and what has happened and what we then decide that is valuable in our lives and meaningful in our lives after going through the life scale journey, then you can make informed and meaningful and even inspired decisions about how you use technology. But I can guarantee you that it's not going to be in the same way that you use it today.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm so inspired by the research and the work that you did around women specifically, because whenever I talk to my clients and ask them, well, when you get off of Instagram, do you feel better about yourself? I would say nine out of 10 to say no they're not inspired, they're not uplifted, they don't have energy, they're not motivated to go and move or take care of their health or their well-being. They actually feel worse because they are using it as a way to either self-validate through likes or they're in comparison. And so I'm curious from the research, if you could talk a little bit more about that specifically, the self-validation and the likes and and the comparison side of it, because I, I do feel that that is what so many women are going there for and they're going there to get the hit and then they feel bad and it takes them down this rabbit hole of the guilt and the shame and the I'm not good enough stories or the what if I looked like that story. And it's not serving them at all, which is is really, really sad.
1: I am so happy to hear that you are working with women and just human beings in general around this and having these types of conversations because they don't happen enough. And in I'll tell you, and I'm, maybe you've seen the same thing, but in that research around beauty, almost every single one of those interviews started with zero recognition of there being a problem until the conversation went on for a bit and then something, and it always clicked in different places, but then something clicked and then it shifted from research into more like therapy. And there was an awakening of realization that there was something that they had been missing, that they couldn't put their finger on it, that they couldn't put words to it, but that it gave a voice to that feeling that they had that was actually taking them down. And that's the allure of many of these applications that they're designed to give you the semblance of it being good for you or that you're greater because of it. And that's the micro doses of likes and followers and those things that help not just you feel validated about yourself, but also, and this is so horrible to say, but validated in the world that if you're not doing these things or getting these responses, that you do not matter. And the unfortunate consequence of all of this is that, as you said, it created essentially a comparison economy. And that is what fuels, that's the currency of these networks and these interactions. So Snapchat, for example, today just announced higher earnings and the stock jumped, and when you hear something like that, if you're an investor, or if you're in the technology industry, you say, that's great, good for them. But that comes at the cost of what we are talking about. More attention, and then those feelings, and those emotions, and look, the thing that's, that we haven't gotten to yet, but it's very real. Those feelings can lead to, without help, to very destructive levels, with depression and worse. And parents don't realize this with their kids. Teachers don't realize this with their students. We don't realize this in, in, say, in the workplace with managers and employees. It's a quiet pandemic that needs help. And one of the reasons that I feel the time is now or to essentially sound all of the alarms is because in this era of shelter at home, or shelter in place, people are using the very thing that's actually destructive to feel better temporarily. And it's only making it worse.
0: Yeah, instead of solving the place in ourselves, or or not solving, but healing, healing the wounding pattern or healing the pattern in which we witnessed growing up or the trauma, it's like we're using social media as a way to suppress that pain. And so during this time, there's also pain and there's very much struggle in these moments. And I don't want to mitigate anyone's struggle, but to not heal through it or to not get the right help and to use social media as an avoidance is something that I'm deeply, deeply concerned about as well, because then on the other side of this, we still have to deal with what's in front of us. like What's in our present moment? We're still going to have to confront it at a certain point. And so I just have this belief that as we continue to bury and bury and bury, at some point it will surface and it will be worse off than, than healing in the moment. So I'm in, gr- in agreement of that. And I'm curious what I can do, what individuals can do, what parents can do, what our leaders can do, mentors, teachers, like what can we do to start to shift out of this dark side of the digital world and And not become victims ourselves and then also inspire others to start to rethink this approach that we're currently living in. Because I, I don't know, I'm so challenged by it because I use social media for what I hope to be good and inspirational. And then I also am am witnessing the problematic side of it as well.
1: (laughs) Uh, Me too. Uh, Especially now (laughs) in, in my work. In my work, I have to be in... Social media is an amplifier for a lot of my research, and it's essentially something I struggle with constantly. I actually keep my book with me at all times, that as a reminder of the exercises that I went through, and also as as a quick hit of going through some of the many exercises that are in the book as well as a as a technique to kind of stay on top of things. Because you don't you never conquer it. It's not like we have seen the last of what technology has to offer. There's only going to be new apps and new trends and new devices that are going to uh, pull us in new directions. So to answer your question, thank you for asking it. If I could just be super honest, as the author of a book that was really hit with surprise at how difficult it was to sell the book to the general public, I think only those who had a high emotional IQ really connected with the book on their own because they're maybe constantly empathetic. They're constantly looking and feeling at things a certain way. They're constantly analyzing emotions within them and around them. But for everyone else, it is so, so difficult. It's like it's like trying to, it's like walking into a bar at 1.30 in, in the morning and everybody's had way too many drinks and telling everyone, you know, maybe they've had too much to drink and expecting that to be a popular conversation. It's turned out to be a harder question to answer than I imagined. And that, and I think that's because of the hopeless optimist in me. I was just so excited once I figured all these things out and how to fix them that I just thought, oh yeah, of course everybody's gonna want the same things. There's more work in that if I had more time, I would actually dedicate research to learning how to knock down those walls. What I have learned in between then and now, and hopefully to help those who you reach through the answer to your question, is this. We can't assume that most people connect the dots to the problems that they have in their life or the negative emotions that they have to their digital behaviors or to how they use their phone or to how they use social media. Those dots don't connect automatically, from what I learned, unless it's a really big problem. And And hopefully in those cases that there are signs that you'd recognize that at least to have conversations, not necessarily about anything related to digital, but just to being a good human being, a good parent, a good friend, a good mentor. What's going on? Can you tell me how you're feeling? And then kind of work, work it out from there. And that's, I think, really what I've learned is that we have to start with the symptoms before we can get to the root problem because it's not anything that one person can solve for another. It's something so deep within that it has to be solved from that individual. And they have to be open to seeing that that problem is that deep and that they can get the strength and confidence in order to be able to go down there and fix it. Now, before we can get to those solutions, I want to share with you just how deep this rabbit hole goes. This was probably the biggest insight for me and the biggest motivator for me to do something about it in my life. Because it all seems harmless. And it's all actually seems fun. And it's become a sense of social stature, even, which is another conversation for another day, I suppose. But when I realized that I was actually making decisions intentionally without, without understanding that I was doing this, but making in t- decisions intentionally in my life that actually hurt people around me and seeing the effects of that hurt. That's when I realized that the answer to this problem wasn't about how I handle the technology at from the onset. It wasn't about digital detox. It wasn't about using Calm or Headspace. It wasn't about going to Burning Man. It was actually realizing that what all of this does to you as it compounds is that it moves your values from where you think they are. This is why we feel bad about ourselves. This is why we make decisions in what we feel is in our best interest, but it hurts others because we've lost our center of reference. We feel like nothing's changed. We feel like nothing's different. We feel like we're fully in control. We feel like we have a great attention span and that we can focus as we need to, that we're as creative as as we can. But when your values move, everything moves. Your norms, your beliefs every facet of how you make a decision for now and in the future is based on these misled truths or these, these unaccepted truths that have happened in our lives. So the exercises that I went through were to get everything back to originally what I thought was back to normal, only to learn as I was going through it that I didn't I didn't want to go back to normal. That actually... There was a gift in all of this, that technology can unlock new worlds and new types of relationships and new types of capabilities within us, new levels of creativity and depth of thought and imagination. But I had to understand that to get there, that I had to not only fix myself, but together with technology and this newfound self, I could be greater than ever. And that I think that's the that's the light at the end of the tunnel for anyone who wants to help someone else is I ask you to first go through the exercise to center yourself, to reimagine this vision of where you're trying to go and where you could go, because in this world, we're not necessarily seeing it for what it could be. We're sort of seeing it for what it is and sort of scaling from that without realizing that our centers of reference have shifted so that I went back to the the women that I interviewed for that research as the new me, the energy that just comes off of that was so profound, so contagious, so resonant, so visible and obvious that it actually just that radiance alone was enough to get conversations going in a a new way. And the reason I share that is because in order to help anyone, we have to first help ourselves. And I don't want anyone to believe that they're not affected because we all are. And that great awakening is when your whole life will change. And that when that changes, you can't help but help others.
0: Wow, I'm just flashbacks to so many moments when I have been online and I have allowed my online experience to validate my worth. And even I think sometimes direct my purpose. And that's why I personally have to continue to come back to meditation and mindfulness and checking out and connecting and reconnecting and reconnecting with myself because I have seen within my own experience online that I lose a level of my own intuition and my own willingness to say, okay, this is the direction I personally want to take without looking at what everyone else is doing. And so I'm curious if that's shown up too, where, where there's this redirection of purpose and then supporting people getting back to their purpose through, because it's like, I also get so challenged again, because it's like you find inspiration online, which helps move you and get you out of bed and the momentum of like building a business. But then how much of that is taking you away from your true purpose or what you're actually meant to do is that landing? I'm like, what that? does that make sense? It's, it's like landing. this weird dynamic. It's, it's really wild. Cause I'm like, I want to have people be a source of inspiration, but then how much is it directing you away from your day-to-day truths of living?
1: So it's not only landing, it's, it's actually making me think about all of the things that I went through and still go through. Um, because of where we are as a relationship with media devices, it's, it's not like it's been overnight, right? I mean, if you go back to when some of these original persuasive design techniques started to become popular within social media, I mean we're looking at MySpace days and the like button on Facebook that I think that one was actually more profound than we realize. But it also goes into gaming. It's also in casinos, slot machines specifically. So without realizing it, I mean, if you think about it too, or just advertising in general, I mean, a lot of these things are all just designed to manipulate our thinking and our beliefs and what is to try to incentivize us or motivate us to move in a certain direction that's in their best interest. So the idea of social media and the great democratizer of information and relationships and influence has only sort of expounded all of this, which means I don't know that any of us are actually really in a true center of purpose. And for example, when I practiced meditation, when I practiced a lot of things, actually, uh, at the beginning of this journey, it would calm me and it would center me for a finite amount of time. And I realized that these are things that we're supposed to practice over time in order to maintain a desired state. But what I realized is that I was only centering back into a place that would spring again simply because I actually wasn't recentering I was just calming and that's one of the big motivators for in the life scale journey that I realized that I was just treating the symptoms and not actually getting to the the problem and After not being able to find solutions, that's actually what led to the book because I was taking all of these notes throughout these research, coming up with these exercises, trying these things that didn't work, trying these things that would work and realizing that actually it turned out to be a journey. And so to live with purpose, you have to find actually what is truly purposeful to you. And what I had learned was there was a difference in purpose of what I would say now and what I would say after going through a forced series of exercises that don't start with me saying, what is my purpose? <laughs> it's actually a psychological evolution where you actually get there without realizing that you are on that path. And that, the same is true for values. The same is true for vision. Where do you want to be? Because as you go through each of these exercises, you're actually mending. It's part of the journey. actually you're, you're actually mending and healing as you're going through these steps. And so I, when you get towards the end and you're, re, you're starting to capture, you're your articulating your purpose. There's an exercise where you actually start to articulate your purpose. You're actually at a level, at a state in your being where you're, going to produce something that is purposeful because you're ready to do that for example the book gets deeper as you go through it but at the beginning of the book i don't introduce anything that's difficult at the beginning because i don't have your full attention yet because no one has or can give their full attention because that's sort of the result of our relationship with technology these days so i have to go through even at the beginning little things to get you to be able to focus longer and longer and longer. The design of the book uses persuasive design in a positive way to get you to turn the pages, to retain what you're reading, and to reinforce certain things so that you're able to give more and more attention. And we get to this point where we talk about 25-minute bursts, and it gets kind of longer and longer from there. But All of this to say that, to answer your question, is that even when we finish the book, you're still growing hence the name life scale, is that we're always finding ways to scale life because we're growing and we're learning and our eyes are open and we can see new and better things. But early on in the book, we're solving for some of that stuff like FOMO, where I talk about that's, what that can mean is finally over missing out. Or we talk about the happiness trap so that we can get people to challenge their perspectives on what they view as happiness versus what happiness really is. And that way we're building as we grow so that when we get to that level of purpose, when we can finally articulate why we're here on this earth and where we want to go and what we want to do, it's meaningful. And so that at that point, when you meditate, you're at your center.
0: Hey there, friend. Are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahandstewart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never, ever miss any details of our new projects, products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also going to get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth, and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to Stewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. I have a friend just to kind of dive deeper into the process of your book. So she was at your talk and She loved your talk, but she wasn't at a place then where she, again, was at the awareness of knowing how bad, like you said, the social media was impacting her own personal creativity. And I got a text from her about a week ago and she said, I get it. I get what he was saying. I can't tap my creativity because I'm online so much. I'm in the social media bubble and I'm being impacted by my followers more so than being able to connect with myself. And it was that moment where she was like, okay, now it's time to go and dive into this work and, and really do these exercises and, and take this to heart. And so it's really interesting because I think when we wake up to that, like you said, we have to have the awareness of the impact. And once we do, then we're open to, all right, it's time, it's time to really dive deep into how my behaviors, my habits, how I wake up in the morning, am I checking my phone? How is that impacting my decisions the rest of the day? Is that impacting my happiness, my fear? What, what's showing up for me? In that, we can then say, okay, I'm aware that this isn't how I wanna operate. And then we can go into starting to peel back the layers. How long is the process that you recommend going through with your book and what do you what do you recommend for people who are like okay I'm I'm here I hear you both I know that social media is impacting me in ways that aren't serving me what would be the next steps for someone listening
1: I would love to say thank you to your friend that gave me goosebumps It's been a hard journey to sell this this idea of growth when social media gives you the illusion of Tremendous success and happiness. It's been a very uh, emotional journey trying to help people, and to hear that someone kind of came to that place on on their own and is ready to embrace that journey, it makes it that makes it all worth it. And I hope that she grows into a place where she's not just better and more creative and happier, but that she's also able to inspire others to follow her journey and. To answer your question, I don't know that there's any any one way to read it or to do it other than to do it. I, I was talking to somebody who he called over the weekend, actually, uh, and it's, he's a, a senior executive at a really big, big, big business technology company, and he said that what he had found was he read the book first, he just wanted to have the experience of reading it, and then he went back and started to reread it more methodically so that he could then stop and give himself fully to each exercise. And I didn't think about it that way, but his point was that that way you at least get to, sort of this, you finished the movie and then you can go back and watch it for the deeper things that you might've missed along the way. And that to each their own. But what I would say though, is when you do get to the exercises, I understand that our mind races at a million miles an hour and that there's a million things pulling us in a million different directions. But the only advice I could give is take it slow. It's a gift that you're giving yourself. Take it seriously. Get a pen or a pencil and write the stuff down that you're feeling as, as you're going through these exercises, take good old fashioned notes or post-its or highlights and let that kinesthetic experience touch you and just build upon it, but take it slow.
0: Yeah. We have to think about how many imprints we have had from technology into our subconscious and they can't be all undone overnight. And I mirror your frustration in getting people to see the impact because when I'm doing this work, it's like I'm witnessing someone's frustration in the comparison model, in the happiness trap, in the being on the digital space and wanting to look like other women or seeing another ad for another detox program or diet program and thinking that's gonna be their solution. And I so often want to just, you know, shake that person, and be like, okay, you've seen this a million times and you've tried a million times and this hasn't worked. But I know that because it's so imprinted on such a deep subconscious level, it's like we have to go so slow and I have to be so patient and compassionate to that understanding because I've been there on the other side of having those imprints and knowing how deeply ingrained they are. And so I love that advice because this isn't something that all of a sudden overnight. If you've been at a habitual state of waking up and looking at your phone overnight, you're just going to to shift that. And so we have to be compassionate and loving with ourselves as we kind of unravel what's been done. And I am just really hopeful that as people wake up to the not feeling good in their bodies, they recognize, even if they don't know right away that it's social media, they go on the journey to discovering what it is and they come across this right they come across this work and i can't tell you the number of people i've recommended <laughs> in your book to because i'm like guys like this is this is it like this is one of the major pieces of this puzzle which we need to become extremely conscious of so i'm i'm really really thankful for this work that you're doing oh
1: my i'm thankful just to hear that it's had an impact and that you're helping others grow and learn. We're all in this together. It's one of the reasons why I decided to, well, align this treatment or this exercise or this growth with creativity because it's such a positive light in our lives, but it's literally the fountain of youth as well. It keeps us healthier, it keeps our brain alive. It makes us stand out uniquely, It even if we're not all artists or architects or you name it just the, the small acts of creativity and all that we do actually come to life in how we talk, how we write, how we think, how we dance. And it's just all the more fun and it's all the more being alive. But what's really important and what I what I hope people will just at least use as as a, that one bit of inspiration that gets them to maybe take a step in a new direction is that It's not even just the validation or the endless scrolls or the constant comparisons. As much as it is, we're fooled as well by the belief that because we use these devices, that we are creative and that too robs us of our potential. Because when you share a picture on Instagram and you have that awesome filter and you're shooting for that perfect moment to get the best response from everyone, that is not you being the most creative. Or when you follow that next challenge on TikTok and you can do it, that's not being your most creative. It's not your your truest potential. It's all fun and it's all a community. It all comes at a cost, but it also it also makes us believe that we are uniquely you or me when in fact, we are like everyone. And I'm choosing and hope you choose to still have fun with it, but you know that it is what it is because then your mind and your body and your soul and every ounce of your being is purposely driven in a new direction that is to create or to do or to to believe things that are uniquely you, because that was an intentional outcome of the journey you went to get there.
0: I love that. I was actually, I, I was talking to my husband last night about... <laughs> I was like, it's interesting because on TikTok, it seems like everyone's doing the same dance over and over again. Like if we're going to like join TikTok, which we're not on, but I was like, maybe we should try to come up with something more creative or think of something different or, and it, it was just an interesting conversation where I was actually in this moment of realization that in the contraction, in this challenge, in this painful time, in this moment of unknowing, this is the best time to be creative and dream. But yet we're all looking at each other on social media for the answers, but yet in it is the time where we get that download, we get that intuition hit, we get the, oh my gosh, this is this product is absolutely going to change the world. And then we go build it versus seeing what everyone else is doing. And so I think I just think it is a really important time to, yes, we can have fun and we can enjoy these things, but it's also a time to realize that we have gifts outside of what we're witnessing on social media, and we should be using those gifts to change the world and to really yeah, manifest what we want for the future that is very different than our current state of of being right now. And so I'm hopeful. I know that it can be frustrating, but I'm also hopeful that people are waking up and one person at a time, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like one person at a time being open to saying, okay, the social media, I need a break or the social media isn't serving me and this is how I'm going to shift it and, and rethink about it and use it for the betterment of myself and my family and the planet.
1: Ah, so well said. Yes, yes, and I love that. And tell uh, tell Craig that I can't wait for the day to see that challenge started. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, I will definitely tell him. If people want to find more about you and your work and get your book and all the amazing things that you're up to, what are the best places for them to reach out and to just get more access to the content that you're you're putting out there?
1: Well, there is, ironically, social media, but you'll see that I use it much more mindfully and intentionally. Now, it's at Brian Solis, pretty much on your favorite platforms, and then BrianSolis.com is where a lot of my my work goes, but it also is a great way to directly contact me. The book itself is available everywhere you, you like to buy books in whatever format you want. I did, since then, record the audio version of the book. And that is available now as well. And if you do end up getting the audio version, I haven't launched it yet, but I did create a companion workbook so that I got some feedback from folks who were listening to it and said that what they were missing was the exercises in the audio book. So they couldn't replicate it easily on their own. So I created a workbook that replicates those exercises. So if you do get it before it's launched, if you don't see it, just send me a, a note, brian at briansoulis.com and I'll send you the, the guide directly.
0: Oh, I highly recommend that. I am sure so many people are going to take advantage of that. So thank you so, so much. I'll make sure to share all of this in the show notes. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate the work you do. And again, thank you for this time. I know you're so busy specifically during during the time that we're in. And I just thank you for showing up and, and offering this wisdom to the listeners.
1: Honestly, thank you. It's my privilege. Thank you for giving me a platform to share my work. And thank you for the work that you do. And thank you for your friendship.
0: Yes, you too. Given the times that we're currently living in, this conversation felt so appropriate and necessary. The digital world is one that we rely on and benefit from so deeply. It's a tool we use to educate ourselves and engage with our friends and our family. It is also an amazing business tool and an important way to connect with new friends around the world, ones we might not have ever even met in person. However, as we continue to integrate the digital world more and more into our lives, we've forgotten and continue to forget aspects of ourselves that existed before the digital world existed. This week, I strongly encourage you to grab Brian's book, Life Scale, which he referred to during this conversation, which walks you through the steps to start living a more creative, productive, and happy life. Using the steps that he offers, you can take a deep look into your own life and the way you use social media on a daily basis. I promise that although this feels like work, the long-term benefit of becoming conscious of what you are consuming is so worth it. If you aren't ready to deep dive, I encourage you to at least start asking yourself, who would I be without social media? How is social media influencing me? What would show up for me if I took a social media detox? Does that feel challenging or easy? Additionally, start to notice the thoughts that show up while you're on social media. Notice them without judgment and then continue to ask yourself, would I be able to access all the love and validation that I need inside of myself if social media didn't exist? Journal on this conversation today and again, see what shows up for you without judgment. Thank you for being here. I am proud of you for showing up today and taking this time to listen to Brian's message. If you enjoyed this conversation, I recommend listening to my episode with Jim Quick as we discuss how important it is to start your day off without your phone and the science behind it. If this podcast resonated and if you have a family member or friend who you believe could benefit, specifically someone who is paving the way for our future generations, it would mean the world to me if you could share it with them. Drop me a message on Instagram if you've been listening to these podcasts and let me know what's resonating. What would you like to hear more of? What questions do you have? How can I support you? Please let me know what's happening in your life and what steps you're taking to create a happier, healthier you. You can find me on the gram at Sarah Ann Stewart, and I promise if you message me to respond. So thank you so much for being here. It is an honor and a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you for taking these steps to a happier, healthier you. And until next episode, I am sending you a massive virtual hug through the screen and I'm sending you so much love. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you, but hang tight because I have one last thought you're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it, but you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.